Hi, and welcome back to Wire to Wire with Nolan RECC. I'm Sarah Fellows, Communications Manager. And once again, I have Buddy Rosenberger with me, uh, but this time we have a different conversation that I'm really excited about. So, um, so Buddy, uh, of course, you're, uh, everyone should remember, you're a former director, you just retired uh, as a Nolan director. But what we're here to talk about is Honor Flight, uh, because we are so excited about being able to send you on Honor Flight. Um, somehow we haven't sent you before and so this year uh, we're we're sending you in September the flight is on the 16th um, and we've we've talked to our other honor flight veteran uh, Mr. Logston and now we wanted to sit down and talk to you um, other conversations we've had have been more about you and your history but but we really haven't really kind of talked about your military service so that's what I want to dig into today if that's all right that's fine. Okay. All right. Um, real quick, if someone uh, didn't see the last interview I had with you, just real briefly, where are you from? Are, I know you're from this area, but can you talk a little bit about your family? Yeah. Well, I was born and raised in the southwestern part of Jefferson County. Uh, down on our house was about 100 yards, faced the Ohio River. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad and his brother moved out there to Valley Station. In 1928, uh, my grandpa's farm was what is now Algonquin Park in Louisville. So that's where he was born and raised. And then uh, the city bought it for a park in 1928. And I was born there in 1939, and they had already started milking cows. And uh, I went through all my uh, high school and college years, and my uh, active duty service years living that was my address and uh, my wife and I Carol Ann we married in 1965 and at that time they had planned to build a flood wall because uh, the 30, 1937 flood was five foot deep in our house and my dad and them they lost all their cows but seven and all the horses and so the flood wall went right across the farm and uh, they would not be able to cross the flood wall with livestock or machinery. So uh, my dad said, if you want to take the milk cows, you and Carol Ann, and my dad had purchased this farm in Hardin County over next mm -hmm. to Big Spring in 1955, uh, and, but no one had moved down here. They just used it to, to raise hay and tobacco and stuff on. So we. We, he built a silo and a milking parlor, and Carolyn and I made our home where we are today. <laughs> and uh, in 1978, uh, Mr. Earl Templeman was the director for our area, and he uh, retired, and uh, uh, luckily uh, I was one of the selected to to serve as a director on Nolan at that time, and uh, set, did, did that until this past June. That's so, right. Rest is history on that one, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so we uh, you talked a little bit about your military service, and that's really what I wanted to sit down with you about because I know you've told me some stories here and there, but I know you have a lot of stories. Um, talk about so you were in Valley Station. Um, you graduated from you said from I, college. You I, did that before the military, correct? Yeah, I, I graduated from Valley High School, and in 19, fall of 1957, I enrolled at University of Kentucky, 
And at that time, if you had not served any prior military service, you were required, all males were required to take ROTC, two years of ROTC. Hmm. And so after the first, after two years, you weren't obligated, but you could serve uh, your junior and senior year and uh, you would get paid a dollar a day. So we got $30 a month, which back in, in uh, 59 and, or 60 anyway, uh, that's, that, yeah, they would, that's not bad. They would buy more than a, and a Coke and a candy bar. Yeah. So, but, uh, and uh, we had to, uh, between our junior and senior year, we had to, uh, what was basic training at Fort Knox and uh, for six weeks that summer and uh, while there uh, I was able to well, take the the physical and of course they, they, they check for depth perception and color blindness and all that and uh, I passed all that and so my senior year at UK I started the Army paid military paid for 36 hours of fixed wing training which we did at Bluegrass Field Ooh. in Lexington. So that was really the start of my uh, aviation career, I guess. Huh. And the Army paid for 36 hours, and then you rolled with an FAA examiner, and he would recommend you or not to go to military flight school. Uh -huh. And so then in the fall of six, 1961, after I'd graduated, and, and we did receive a second lieutenant commission when we graduated from college. Wow. So uh, I, I was sent to uh, uh, Camp Walters, Texas for the primary helicopter training. And at that time, usually you went to fixed wing training first because I already had some fixed wing training in, in college. But uh, the, the Vietnam War was kind of in its, in its birth or uh, infancy and so instead of going to fixed wing training they sent us straight to helicopter training interesting because so yeah. i spent uh, about uh, four months in uh, camp walters texas out mineral wells texas and then the next four months down at fort rucker alabama in the secondary training wow and then uh, after that uh, i was uh, sent to fort knox and at that time, uh, there was a unit there, a helicopter unit, and uh, uh, I didn't know, <clears throat> in fact, I didn't even know where Vietnam hmm. was located or whatever about it. And uh, I imagine January, a, lot, a lot of people we didn't. Were, uh, we, were, we were supposed to, to, to go to Vietnam in January, but <clears throat> uh, most of, some, probably if you're not in the middle, but, but ever since World War One and World War Two, there have been rules of engagement and war. And, and the Korean War and the Vietnam War, they were rules. Yeah. Well, C Troop of the 17th Air Cav, that company that I was assigned to, was a combat helicopter company. And the agreement was no country would send any combat units to Vietnam. So they had to change the name to 114th Air Mobile Company, and we were sent to Vietnam. Wow. So when, when was that? You said that, that, was, that was in May of 1963. May of 63. So you, um, you went from Fort Knox 
to Vietnam. Right. How long were you in Vietnam? 13 months until 13 months. June of 1964. Were you flying a helicopter and, the whole time? And, and uh, we flew seven days a week. Uh, every day of the, I flew almost, almost 1,500 hours. Wow. While there, and uh, mostly, so it was all support. The the company had two uh, support helicopter unit platoons and one armed platoon. And I flew one of those, uh, we would alternate, but most of the time I flew one of the helicopters that would haul supply personnel, the Vietnam, South Vietnamese personnel and things like that. Okay, so where were you stationed there? In a, in a little town about a hundred miles, a little over a hundred miles south of Sa Saigon in the Mekong Delta called Vinh Long. And uh, it was, uh, actually it was an old Japanese airstrip from World War II and there was a, a cemetery that was, it was a, all, lower part of Vietnam is all rice paddies. Mm. And it was dry. And they, uh, we had uh, just tents we lived in for eight months. But they did have wood floors, so we didn't went on the ground. But, uh, but it wasn't anything, because it was warm. The coolest temperature the whole time I was there, 13 months, I think it was 72 one morning. Wow. And so. Uh, but uh, we had, we slept on cots with mosquito nets and probably some of the older people that remember the, you had a T-bar on your cot and a mosquito net because mosquitoes would eat you up. I was going to say, I'm sure you were glad for those. <laughs> so it was, was it really humid then there too? <clears throat> yeah, it, mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, tropical. Right. Well, actually, you know, you had uh, uh, six months of rain and six months of dry weather mm -hmm. and of course it was ideal for rice production right because rice grows in water and then it would quit raining it would dry up and they could harvest the rice it was all by all all the farming was done by hand over wow. there and uh, with water buffaloes as the as the power to pull the plows and stuff and mm -hmm. it was it was it was interesting so you so you were stationed there the whole time and at well, what kind of, oh sorry actually we when we the helicopter, the Huey, the, the A model, they found out it didn't have enough horsepower because the, the, the more humid and warmer the air, the thinner and the less bite the rotors have in the air. So they had to up, up the horsepower. So they, they, they upped it about 200 horsepower, but we didn't have any helicopters, so they had to make some. Oh, wow. So, we got there before the helicopters did. <laughs> so um, what'd you do? <laughs> so we we I got we played uh, uh, rook cards and whatever it was just just kill time. How long and, did you have to wait before the helicopters well, came? Uh, while I was during that period of time, uh, there was a southeastern uh, treaty organization of CETO, and they were having an exercise in Thailand, and. They picked a few of us and just happened, I just got picked. We took the four helicopters that we that came early and we took them and we put them on a C-124 Air Force plane with the big clamshell doors in the front, two on each one. And we couldn't fly across Cambodia or Laos. So we had to fly around the southern peninsula of, uh, of Cambodia and Vietnam to Thailand. And uh, we were there almost six weeks. Okay. 
flying in support of that CTOR uh, CTOR exercise, hmm. and so that was that was that was fun because uh, you didn't have to worry about somebody shooting at you over there. You just got to enjoy flying the the helicopter. And, yeah. So what what kinds of things you said mostly you did supply. What what did that mean? So in well, on the course of a day, what did you do? Mainly, uh, we would fly the the uh, Arvin forces, which were the South Vietnamese soldiers, and they would locate a, a contingent of the North Vietnamese soldiers who were supported by the Chinese, mm -hmm. and uh, and then we would uh, pick them pick a, a unit of the South Vietnamese and fly them into close proximity to the. Uh, North Vietnamese forces, hmm. so they could engage them. So it sounds like that could have could have been dangerous. I mean, you you're flying in pretty close to where you have yeah, some enemy well, territory there. Uh, what's interesting is uh, during that period of time that uh, they were had rules. One of the rules were was that we could carry a weapon, but we couldn't load it, and we weren't supposed to shoot at anyone unless we were shot at first. Well, uh, that doesn't work. Right. And so, <laughs> right. Uh, the first mission we were we were uh, hauled troops on. Uh, our our arm. We had this one platoon. That, we had three helicopters with 30 caliber machine guns, and three helicopters with 2.5 inch rocket launchers. And they would fly in support and suppress any kind of ground fire that was coming in. But because we, they couldn't fire first, they, they didn't fire a, a, a shot. So uh, when we took off, uh, the North Vietnamese realized that they weren't being shot at, so we were just easy targets. So, yeah. so that was the last time we, we went on a mission that, that we didn't use our armed platoon, which were, they were created for to right. suppress fire, and so they would circle the outside perimeter of the area as we would go into land and uh, we, we didn't have that problem anymore. No. <laughs> well, I mean, that's good that you had that kind of support, even yeah. if it wasn't necessarily by the book. <laughs> so, so what kinds of story, I'm, what, what things stand out to you about that time? Um, what, what are your main memories from that well, time? In November, well, right before November, uh, Ngo Dinh Zim was the president of South Vietnam, and he had a, uh, a brother, uh, Ngo Dinh Nu, and he had a wife. Ngo Dinh Zim, the president, was not married. Well, uh, Ngo Dinh, the president was assassinated. Well, that kind of caused some turmoil. Uh, with the Vietnamese and, and things, and we had to kind of watch, be extra careful. Then in November, President Kennedy was assassinated. And so we all thought, well, we might all get to come home early, but that didn't happen. No. And so uh, several things happened while, while we were there. And, uh, but, uh, uh, we after eight months they did build us some permanent concrete block buildings to that we could sleep in and we had restrooms and, and oh that's almost, nice yeah we was almost living 
like like home. I was gonna say it was like a hotel. You're staying in then, <laughs> compared to a tent. Wow. So do you, when you were, what did you like about flying a helicopter? I would assume that you liked it since you stuck with it. What did, what, what was that like well, for you? It seems well, like it'd be really growing exciting. Growing up on a farm, I remember in, when I was in flight school, uh, of course you, you don't all, everyone, you don't, it's kind of like going to school. You, every day is not, doesn't come out just exactly like you would like it to be. But one day my instructor said, Rosenberger, you got, at least you got one thing going for you. Uh, most boys that came off farms do not wash out of flight school because they're used to using their hands, driving yeah. tractors and handling machinery and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but I know one time he, he told me, he said, uh, you know, if you're going to fly with the uh, owls at night, you can't fly with the eagles in the daytime. So. I kind of stuck with him. So what did that mean? I'm trying to figure out what that means. In other words, you need to go to bed. At a, oh, so just at sleep. Okay, okay. So not run around all night and expect to, to have a good day of flying the next morning. Day, so. so what you're telling me is you uh, you had a nightlife there too then. Did you all like stay up and play rook, I assume, yeah, right? Well, usually we would fly all day long and you were worn out. Yeah. And, of course, uh, we had a... Uh, for for eight months, we just our mess hall was in a tent, and so but uh, but it was uh, uh, it was interesting. In, my, in flight school was kind of interesting too because a month before I was to finish, uh, Castro had had uh, overthrown uh, uh, I can't remember his name now uh, in Cuba, and so. Kennedy was president, and so they had made plans to, these mercenaries that had left Cuba and came into Florida, they were going to arm them and, and let them go back and try to retake uh, the, the uh, country back from, from Castro because mm -hmm. he was a dictator. And uh, they shut down our flight line, and uh, the helicopter I was flying, which was H-34, was probably the most modern helicopter at that time. Mm. And uh, they were going to use us students to fly with an instructor to uh, fly, the, fly supplies from Homestead, Florida to Cuba. Oh, wow. But we didn't have enough fuel to get back. So, but anyway, that, and then right at the last, well, Kennedy called off the, the support for the Cuban mercenaries, which was not very good. But wow. <laughs> So it was it was a near miss for you. You you ended up not doing it, so, doing that, but no. it was close. Wow. So there's a lot of things you that uh, you just uh, it's just you just live day by day. Yeah. So um, in terms of of your military service, what did it mean to you uh, to to serve in the military? A lot of people were drafted during that time, and and you you chose to go well, in. You know, I I sometimes I say well. You know, I'm kind of ashamed to say I was in Vietnam because I was over. I was at, we, our helicopter unit was the first unit sent from the United States to Vietnam, and really they were the Viet Cong were really using primitive weapons to uh, to shoot at us with, and so uh, it wasn't until I came back until it really got. I mean, pilots and everyone else was mm. it was dangerous over there. So really, you know, I was 
uh, was there before it really got uh, really heavily involved with with uh, modern sophisticated weapons and uh, but still dangerous you're but, still flying uh, helicopter missions in a foreign but, country but I, yeah, I mean that's, but I, yeah. I, I, I enjoy flying a helicopter did you get to do it any time after you left the military well after I, I served three years active duty and I was still living at Valley Station wasn't married and so uh, WKYW in Louisville Kentucky had a traffic helicopter that they would send up every morning and every afternoon to uh, fly and report the traffic where the congestion was in Louisville. Yeah. So uh, this person found out that I lived close by and asked me if I would like to, to fly as a backup pilot for the regular pilot. And I said, yeah, but I had to take a test and get a commercial license. Mm -hmm. So I did. And so I would, we were milking cows and so I'd get up three o'clock in the morning and milk and get finished usually about a little before six and come in and clean up a little bit and drive. And it was about 20 miles from where we lived to Bowman Field mm -hmm. and fly to Bowman Field. And we would take off like at a little after seven. And I would fly with uh, uh, Sergeant Clyde, I think his name was, and he did the reporting. I just flew the little helicopter. Mm -hmm. And I would do that for an hour and a half in the mornings. And then I'd go back and do the rest of the farm chores, clean up the barn and stuff, whatever. And then in the afternoon, I'd do the same thing and be out there by uh, 4.30, I guess it was, or 4 o'clock, I forgot now, and fly for an hour and a half in the afternoon. Huh. And I did that uh, off and on while I lived before I moved to Hardin County. Really? That's interesting. I didn't know that. And so, uh, but it wasn't full time because the, the yeah. regular pilot, Cecil Thrasher, it's just whenever uh, uh, he couldn't be there gotcha. or, or they, whatever. I know one time they had an explosion at DuPont Chemical Plant mm -hmm. down on Campground Road, and they called and asked if I'd come out and and fly one of the uh, superintendents of, yeah. of DuPonts to try to, to determine, ascertain, you know, what caused the explosion or whatever. And I flew him around and huh. he, he asked me to fly a little. He said, I know this is dangerous, uh, <laughs> you know, fly a little. I said, well, it's not as dangerous as flying in Vietnam. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> You're like, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So what years, uh, let me, Make sure I know what year. So, what years were you? Did you serve in the military? You from not from uh, the first of December of 1961 on active duty until the 30th of November of 1964, which is three years. Gotcha. Active duty, and then of course you're in the reserves. But I, I was never in the active reserves. So then, when when you came back, you were you were flying this helicopter on a, on occasion for that. You were working at your your family's uh, dairy Very farm, fun, yeah. and then remind me again what year you and Caroline got married. In June June the twenty, she'll kick me. <laughs> it's June the twenty fifth of nineteen sixty five. I think it's either twenty sixth or twenty fifth. <laughs> that was a quiz. I did. Nineteen sixty five. So. And you all moved down here soon after yeah. that, right? Yeah. Well, she was actually born within three miles of where I uh, lived. And her family and my 
uh, my sister is 11 years older than me. And well, we did live in a big old house. It was two families, my dad and his brother. So his, my dad's brother's kids were like uh, sisters and brothers to me also, but they were uh, anywhere from, from 18 to 14 to my sister, 11 years older than me. Mm. But, but they went to school with my wife's parents and aunts and uncles. And so, uh, but her family moved to, uh, but they moved to Indiana first and uh, when she was uh, five years old. And I, but I, I knew her dad forever. I, first time I met her dad, the water would get up between the, the creek, between where we, are, where we lived back on the river and Dixie Highway. And we'd have to take a skiff, a little rowboat, <laughs> and where, where this creek was so we could get out to the Dixie Highway. And uh, we were bringing this skiff up. We'd go down the Ohio River to Mill Creek, down to where LG&E Power Plane is, and then come up that creek to where our, where our farm was. And uh, of course, you couldn't see these fence posts under the water, but the, the skiff got on top of a fence post. Well, you could, the only way you could get it off was you'd lean to one side and slide it off. Well, this cousin of mine, every time he'd lean to slide it off, I'd get scared and I'd lean on the other side. And he said, buddy, we're never going to get off this unless you lean on the same side as I do. And I said, okay. <laughs> well, I looked up and here come a motorboat coming. I said, oh, man, that would be nice if we had oars. And, and the person in this motorboat was Carolina's dad. So that's the first time I met him. Did he help you off the fence post or were you already <laughs> off of it by then? So you were talking a little bit about your family. Were you did other people in your family serve in the military? Is that was that a family thing or did you just kind uh, of get drawn well, to that? This cousin, my dad's brother's son, uh, like I said, he graduated from high school in thirty nine. And that fall he joined the army. And his dad uh, had learned he had kidney cancer back in 1926. And he lived for 14 years. Uh, actually, he lived for uh, 15 years. Anyway, in 1942, hmm. his dad passed away. But before that, he was real sick. And so uh, the, the uh, Christian preacher preached at the Christian church out the end of the road was on the selective service board and so uh, the family approached him because the war, World War I had, or II hadn't started because they needed help on the farm and was able to get him out early. Mm. And then my dad, my, my mom's brother, he was in World War II as a paratrooper and he jumped first in North Africa and then he jumped in Sicily and then he jumped in Italy, and wow. he was killed in Italy. Oh wow! And, and, uh, as a paratrooper, he's he's uh, buried in, in somewhere in Italy. Oh wow! And uh, but uh, and then his brother was in uh, World War II. Uh, he was younger, but uh, uh, really, that's and then because I had two uncles, but marriage, my dad's sister's son, brother, uh, husbands. And both of them were in World War One, and one of them was in Belgium in World War One, and the other one was in France. Hmm. So, so they had some they, history they, there. They, uh, they had some interesting stories. I, I mean, bet. it was really primitive back wow. in World War One. I. I hate to think about that. And then I had 
a great great grandfather on my on my mom's side uh, who was killed in the Civil War. Oh wow! Battle of Shiloh, and he grew up his he his home was over just out from Colesburg right there huh. on that Colesburg Road and. Uh, he was his last name was Harned, H A, which is a lot of Harnets over there. Mm. His mother or his wife was a Troutman, but uh, he was in the uh, Kentucky Orphan Brigade in the Civil War, and and he was killed at Battle of Shiloh down in Tennessee. Wow! So you do have so you do have family history, right? So uh, so obviously, honor flight goes to to Washington D.C. Have you have you spent much time in in Washington D.C.? Not really. So I'm interested in yeah. looking forward to it. Um, we talk a little bit about, you know, what, and of course you have history of knowing what, what the honor flight has done because Nolan has supported it for so long. Uh, so I know it won't, won't be a huge shock to you what, what you'll end up getting to do, but you know, a, a lot of the day is just getting to see the, the memorials, right? The war memorials. Yeah. And um, have you gotten to see the Vietnam? No, in, I've not been there since, uh, uh, well, my wife and I, when the kids were little, we uh, we did drive through Washington D.C., but uh, really, uh, I don't guess I don't know whether they even had the Vietnam Memorial then or not, mm -hmm. or even the uh, World War II Memorial uh, at that time. I think the World War II is pretty fairly fairly new. I don't know the the yeah. dates on either of those, yeah, this but this been all like a, a nineteen. 75 or something okay. like that well driving through you're not going to get to see very much so you'll um it, it is a very oh, full I'm day gonna, but they're gonna you'll get to see all of that and um so what do you what are you most looking forward to do you think um from your for your well, day of course uh, i did have some some close friends that didn't come mm -hmm. back they were in our unit they weren't they were most of it was either uh, aircraft failure of something of type, but anyway, so their names would be there, mm. and uh, and things like that. And uh, uh, but I guess you know you, that's not something really look forward to, but it's kind well, of sad. But, but but anyways, yeah. But, uh, but it's touching. Just, I mean, yeah. just getting obviously, I didn't serve in the war, but just having been there, it's it's touching for those of us yeah. who don't have that personal connection. Well, but. it's just you know you wonder sometimes. I know I read uh, this story. This fellow, he was in. I forgot now what what war it was in, but he was uh, next day. He was due to have furlough to come, to, uh, come home or something. So his buddy said, "Well, I'll I'll, I'll uh, do guard duty or whatever it was for you." Tonight, because you're getting you're getting ready to go uh, go home on furlough, and his, and his buddy was shot and killed, and he thought he you know it was supposed to be me. Wow! So mm -hmm. you know you always wonder, and then you know it could have been me, me in that helicopter mm -hmm. that uh, my friend was was in, the tail fell off of, and so and I was flying uh, right in front of him, and didn't realize his tail it, the helicopter had crashed until. Until uh, I, I heard, on, I, I hear air rushing on the intercom, and I thought somebody had their, their mic triggered, and I said, "Let go of your mic. You got the mic triggered." Because air was rushing through, mm -hmm. and didn't realize that he was trying to keep a helicopter nosing up because the tail fell off, and it was kind of nose over, and he was trying to keep it up. Wow! And he was pulling as hard as he could on that collective to, to 
keep it right up. <clears throat> but, wow, my goodness. Well, I, I'm sure you have uh, you have a lot of memories like that. But that hopefully, there when you get to go to to see the memorials and, and get to. But part of what I think is neat, especially for your generation that fought in Vietnam, um, and I don't know if this was your experience, but when when a lot of soldiers came home, they weren't welcomed back. They didn't get a welcome home. Um, in fact, and sometimes it was it was they were spit on and they were yelled at and. Um, you think, and it, it always, it, it's really sad to know that, but it's really neat to be able on this, on this side of it, to be able to see the reception that, that you will get. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, when I, you know, that really wasn't the case when I came back because it was just well, an infancy good. of it. And uh, I know we came, we came back on flying tiger lines from Saigon. We flew over, uh, well, we did land in Tokyo during the middle of the night. So I did get off the Plane, but everything was closed. So, at uh, in Tokyo, and then we uh, landed in San Francisco, and then flew from San Francisco to to uh, Chicago, and then I got on a plane and came to Louisville, <clears throat> and uh, and anyway, uh, uh, you know, really very few people even knew about Vietnam back then. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so I know really some of our other uh, other veterans had had a yeah, more negative yeah. experience coming back. Well, well, you'll get to experience. Um, it's it's pretty neat uh, from what I get. To, I won't I won't tell you any more than that. But I, I just think getting to, to be there, I think hopefully that'll be neat for you. And your daughter's going with you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gretchen's <laughs> going. So, well, is there anything else? Anything else about Honor Flight or about your service that that you wanted to talk about? I know we could probably sit and talk for days. Like <laughs> you are famous around here for having oh. stories. So, <laughs> is there is there anything else that that we've missed or anything? No. Uh, uh, if, if I say too much, I realize it's, it's probably just a fib, so. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't have to tell them that, though. <laughs> uh, no, thanks again for your service, and we look forward to the honor flight. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to you getting to experience that, and I want to hear all about it when you get back. <laughs> and thank you for joining us for Wire to Wire with Nolan RECC.